Hi, this is Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment, and this is another episode of The Tingle Zone. In this episode, I'm talking with Dr. Dina Preston-Ortiz and her husband, Don Ortiz, who have uniquely combined music and business. As professional musicians, they started with nothing, well, 31 cents to be precise, and have built themselves up to where they have toured all around the world, all done without any record deals or any management to oversee things. There are also business experts teaching the principles through their own talks and programs, as well as at college, where Dina is a business management professor. In our conversation, we explore how being in a band has taught them everything they need to know in business about leadership and communication, the sales mindset, balancing a targeted marketing approach while still being able to help everyone, and the importance of listening to your market in order to tailor your product. This is quite possibly the ultimate story in combining your passion with business and getting the right balance of both. Before we get our discussion underway, I would like to present you with a gift. If you go to my website, businessenjoyment.com, you will be able to download a free copy of my latest book, More Than Just Money. In this book, you'll find an explanation of the business enjoyment model, learn how you can use it to find a solution to pretty much any problem you're facing, and discover what I really mean when I say that I want you to enjoy your business so much, it makes your bits tingle. So do check that out, but for now, sit back, relax, get ready for a journey like no other, and most of all, enjoy. Oh, good morning, Andrew. I'm Dina Preston-Ortiz, and in addition to owning an entertainment company and being a professional musician, um, I'm also a college business professor, so I teach in the area of business management, marketing, um, general business, and uh, Don and I, uh, with our band, have toured in 43 countries on 26 world tours, and we've done it all without a record deal or management, and we've done it by working with strategic partnerships all over the globe. So we've had a very interesting, diverse, and exciting life and business, and this is my husband, Don. Hey, Andrew. Hello, everybody. How are you today? Hey, um, yeah, the Dina Preston Band. Uh, who would have thought? 31 cents to 43 countries we've gone. Uh, we've been really blessed to start as a band that was really on the road. Um, that uh, uh, was business oriented because we understood it was a business first. We needed um, to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and an ROI. Concept, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take care of our family, take care of our sons. So, yeah, we yeah. needed to, to make it a business. And uh, I actually met Dina through her voice first. Uh, I had a friend of mine uh, kept on telling me about the Dina Preston band and they. They had this unique sound, and Dina had this big voice, and I was like, yeah, girl singer, you know, sure, yeah, they all say that. And then he brought the cassette to a Metallica show that we were doing production on, and that was the first time I heard her voice, and I thought, wow, this is like Bonnie Raitt meets Melissa Etheridge, uh, you know, Linda Ronstadt, very strong, powerful voice, and I thought those three combinations right there were really strong enough for me to set up uh, a meeting so I could actually meet her voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, 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 so Don, what were you, you were involved in music, you were involved in production at that point. Where, where, how did you get up to that point when you first heard the, the voice? 
Well, it was really interesting. I had always been uh, a touring musician, played in shows. And at this point uh, in my life, I was working production uh, in, in, at Celebrity Theater, uh, also big outdoor venues and concert venues and things like that, from YouTube to Paul McCartney to Guns N' Roses to very intimate shows. So uh, the lighting director had actually introduced me to her voice. Mm. And he kept on telling me, he said, look, they got lots of contracts. They need a good player like you. Uh, I think you would be a good fit for this band. And I was at that point where I wanted to clean my slate, get away from the production and get back to really being a performer and a musician. What do you, what do you play? I'm what sorry? Play, what do you play, Don? I play lead guitar uh, and guitar and vocals as well. So for me, I was always like a gunslinger type guitar player. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, Al Miola, Steve Morris, you know, very uh, eclectic areas. I, I grew up loving fusion jazz like Jeff Beck and Pat Metheny, uh, Dixie Dregs, so, and Brand X. So my forte was very instrumental, even though I loved uh, playing music. And mm -hmm. when I heard her voice, it was the perfect match. And he's such a good guitar player that he actually took the place of somebody in my band that I went back to San Diego. My band was out of Southern California and he played uh, steel and guitar. And cause we were a country, country rock band, but Don was so good that it was, geez, I think we had one day of rehearsals and we literally went on the road within three days. And it was interesting because he had to learn 50 songs. And we were, like I said, a country rock band. They actually wrote them all, all the information out on a piece of paper, write 50 songs in three days because we had to do our next show. Oh, in three days. <laughs> now, the funny story is when he, when we got to our first date, he said, OK, we need to play them in this order because I don't know the song. He didn't, he didn't listen to country, country rock. He was mm. much more like I didn't you know, know any of the material. Yes, none of it. <laughs> none of it. So it was, was, it, was it a mix of your own songs and covers? Was it? A bit of both. Yeah, always did. My band always did um, a combination of covers and originals. Um, we were able to do that, which is great. So we made a we made he made a cheat sheet, and before the songs, he would like look at the drummer and go, "Okay, what's the intro? This is Charlie." Charlie would sing him the intro, and then he's like, "Okay, now I know the song." Yeah, he'd be like, "Oh, that don uh, it goes like this dun 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 and it's like, "Okay, oh, that one, yeah, yeah, I know that one." And this one goes dun 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 dun, you know. So he would just give me these little intro hits. And that, that was it. Yeah. So it was really amazing. Luckily with Top 40 Music, a lot of it is very formula. So if you know the formula, general idea of the formula, you know, you can get in there and get it done. So I remember him when we finished the first show, you know, it was a lot of stress for all of us because it's like when you bring a new person in a musical, you know, um, venue or musical band, the sound is going to change. It's going to change. It's a service, right? So it's going to, it can change the whole makeup up for better or for worse depending on how good the player is but i remember after the first gig we were all so relieved and he was so relieved he came over and just hugged me and gave picked me up and gave me a big kiss on my cheek and i went wow <laughs> <laughs> did you feel that yeah. <laughs> and five weeks later, get married now yeah. <laughs> exactly five weeks later he uh, asked me to leave my band which was really hard because we were a family wow. And um, I did, and I went back east with him, and the rest is history. We've had, we've had a very blessed, very successful life and business. So, 31 years. Yeah, and we literally started with 31 cents, hence the book 31 cents to 43 countries, because by the time I left the band in, uh, I think we are in Wyoming, right? Yeah. Yeah, in Wyoming, um, we got back to Delaware, which is where he's from originally back east, and 
we, he, he got a really hefty speeding ticket, which wiped the rest of our money out. So we literally had to run the last toll booth in Delaware because we didn't have any money left. And we arrived. Uh, you arrived at my dad's yeah, uh, apartment cents. with 31 cents in our pocket. Yeah, he was kind enough to let us crash for, for a couple of uh, months and get our get ourselves back up and rolling and gigging again. And so the rest is history. Yeah. So from here, obviously, we want to we want to pick up that story. But I do want to go back and just um, unpack some of the, the things you've, you've picked on there. And, and uh, let's go further back because, Dean, we've, we've, we've heard you've, you've arrived in the stories and established bands. So how did, how did you yeah. get into music? How did you become the, the voice? So my uh, my story is um, not as uh, sophisticated as Don. I actually started as a street musician. I uh, left Phoenix at the age of 18 and went to San Francisco. I actually wanted to go to Berkeley, um, uh, University of Berkeley. But when I arrived in California, I realized I didn't have in-state um, residency. And so tuition is like double and I couldn't afford it. So I enrolled in City College, but I had a car breakdown along the way. And so that took a lot of my money. And it ended up actually in the Tenderloins in San Francisco. And the Tenderloins is a very, very rough spot in San Francisco. Literally homelessness, drug use. Um, and that's where I landed. And that's what I could afford. So um, I enrolled in City College, uh, decided to busk uh, with another uh, musician partner. And we did that in front of Ripley's, believe it or not, between classes. And uh, we went from busking. We did that probably for about two years um, and taking college classes in between and ended up going down to Southern California where we started our first country rock band. And uh, we did really well in San Diego. We were nominated for band of the year um, in the country uh, category and an agent picked us up out of Minnesota. And uh, we started going on the road from there and we started doing, you know, back then you could go on the road, you know, they had the big national or the big, yeah, the big national nightclubs where there'd be three or 400 people in a nightclub, you know, from Tuesday to Sunday night. And so you could tour and go week to week to a different city, a different club and, and make your living doing that. And, and so and we put our teeth doing that. Just met or you, uh, you actively looked for people to bring so, into the band? Yeah, so when I moved from San Francisco down to San Diego, uh, my partner and I uh, actively sought to create a band, a country rock band. We were doing folk music. Um, you know, we landed in San Francisco in 1980. So we were just coming. I mean, it was 10 years after Heat Ashbury, right, in the, seven, in the 60s movement. So we were doing a lot of country, a lot of folk. And that music transferred most easily to country and country rock. So um we enjoyed it. We liked it. The We also knew from a business standpoint that the fan base is very loyal. I mean, you know, Don and I have been at this 31 years and our fan base is as loyal today as they to, were, as they the were when, we were, when we were young musicians. And so that made total sense for us. We knew that we could make a living doing this at an age. Much more difficult when you're a pop artist, right, to be able to age in that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they'll yeah. have that and still have that target market or that support, that fan base. Um, and of course, as we moved through that and stopped touring, we went into more corporate work, which is really where the money's at. Um, we started, uh, we went from that into, once I met Don and we got up, we did a little bit of road work, but then from there we got into corporate work. Our son, we had, I had to get off the road because my son needed to start school. And so once we started school, there was a big meetings and event industry here in Arizona. And I, ha I actually happened to stumble onto it. Well, we also had the Grand Canyon in our backyard. Yeah. So a lot of people come here to Arizona yeah. to see the Grand Canyon, Sedona. They want to see Tombstone. They want to see Native Americans, the Mariachis. It's a, it's a very big cultural hub here. 
So I actually was um, servicing, um, working as a waitress at one of these events. And I saw this band up on stage. It was, you know, beautiful staging. They were in tuxedos. And I'm watching it. I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is a real, this is so much nicer than working in a nightclub, you know, from nine to one. But here's the thing. I listened to the music and they were very average. And I knew, I knew that I could, not only did I know that we could do it, I knew that we could do it better. I knew that we could be better. Performance. I mean, music-wise, musician-wise, that we were better than what I was seeing. So right on break, my break, I went right up to the agent. I spotted her right away. Uh, went up to the agent, gave her my card, um, called the next day. Finally, went down to see him, and within two weeks, we were hired and we were off and running the corporate industry. And at first, it was niche. We were niche um, because I was a female front. You got to remember, this is the '80s, right? Not a whole lot of female fronting bands, especially in country music especially in the Southwest. Yeah, it was the hat and belt it was, era. You know, Garth Brooks. There were a few women, but it was Garth Brooks. It was George Strait. George Strait. I mean, those, especially in Arizona, those were the big, you know, that's how you made your living. But in corporate, in corporate music, they wanted female fronts, right? Because we kind of became um, sort of a niche, a specialty act. And just, but, to make, just to make sure, and when you talk about corporate music, are you talking about a, a company having a big event, like a Christmas mm -hmm. event? Right, like a Samsung or Google yeah. Yeah. or things like that. And then I found out what they were getting paid. I'm like, oh, they were making, those bands in that industry were making in one night what we were making in a week at a nightclub, right? So it was like, wow, I hit the jackpot. And with time, I stopped being a specialty act because we were good at what we did. And so we were competing and even surpassing our counterparts. Um, yeah, so we went from being what they thought was a country band. We evolved into a variety band. And the variety bands make a lot more money mm -hmm. because you're playing the bigger events, the award evenings, the, the pre. They're, they're, they might even have you for two or three nights and just break up your band in different areas. And you're able to utilize them and keep that client for a long term. But we still had two income streams. So we could do the whole Western Native American night, right, which is a thing. Then we could do the whole um, gala night, like Don said, where the money is. But if you think about it, we could do gala night on Saturday night, but we could do the Western theme on a Wednesday night. So now we're making a lot of money both on a Wednesday night and a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we went from this nightclub where we got seasoned, so it was good for us. But in the end, we were able to move our product lines and expand our product lines into a much more lucrative um, area of, of um, entertainment. Mm -hmm. And we were able to make a living. We were able, I remember buying our first house. Um, yeah, we were one of the first like, musicians to own a house. One of the first <laughs> in the valley that actually owned, owned their house from music money. Not because we had a secondary job, but we did it based on music money. And so we were so excited. We thought we'd hit the jackpot. We'd never do any better. And then as we kept growing, we got our next house, which was even better and bigger. And of course, finally built our dream house, which is where we're at now. So it, it's wonderful. And from there, we got into the corporate touring and the government touring. So we actually found new target markets and new income streams that really were lucrative. Yeah. And that took us all over the world. Yeah, we had somebody said, I think you would be a good fit for uh, the Department of Defense um, events and their overseas shows. And then we had somebody from the Pentagon actually come out to see us. And they said, we came to see four bands this evening and you're going. You're definitely going. <laughs> you're not going no, so we're like, <laughs> we're we had actually congo. Yeah, we had, uh, we were doing an event and we actually congo lined like 1,200 people down this mountain. And he said, if you could do that, you can congo the military right into action, you know? So that was our blessing for that ended up a long term contract. 
And actually, on that contract, we had our very first mishap. Uh, our very know. first tour out, they, they sent us to Singapore by accident. Somebody put us on a plane. We had no visas to get in. Uh, the plane was actually, the C-130 was actually stopping in Singapore then, and then um, um, landing in Japan where they could stay. We had no visas to get into Japan. So we were basically stuck and living on that plane. We were supposed to go yeah. to L.A., but they sent us on the wrong We were a band without a country all of a sudden. Yeah. But that... But the way we handled that and um, being able to maneuver through that successfully actually gave us that long-term relationship because they understood that not only could we not only could we give a excellent performance value product and service to, you know, our military audiences, but if trouble, uh, you know, um, popped up, we were able to move it through, move through it successfully without enhancing it ourselves. Yeah. Mm. You know, that's a big, big deal when you're problem over there. Solve, and you've got to be able to problem solve. Yeah. That's really, and you got to be able to problem solve like this. You don't have time to like sit and think about it. You got to be able to maneuver things very quickly, critically think through things. Very yeah, quickly. I mean, it was one of those weird moments where the loadmaster just says, So, who do you guys know in Singapore? I was like, What? What do you mean, we're Singapore? We're going to LA. I said, No, we're supposed to be going to LA. There's not this flight. Yeah. We're going to Singapore and then on to Yokota Air Base from here. I thought, Oh my God, I got to tell Dina, I'm, I can't let the band know. I got to, we got to figure this out before we touch ground. And so, you know, I, I actually, when I got to ground, I called the Pentagon and trying to reach through, I couldn't get through. So yeah, I'm, my heart is racing. I'm like, Oh, and they're racing. unloading our gear. They're like palleting our gear. They're lifting up and loading up. So we're like, but we can't get into Singapore, but they're taking it off the plane. So we're trying to tell them, don't take the gear off. Let us Give me a couple us. minutes. And they're like, no, we got a mission. It's time. We got to go. It's military time. We got to go. And luckily I was able to get through to the Pentagon and they were able to fax me some, uh, a sheet to get to them. I mean, all this happened in just a matter of minutes, you know, so it was really a very stressful situation for us because Actually, we flew 15 hours from Diego Garcia to Singapore. Yeah, the one of the slowest flights. Yeah, well, it's a C-130. It's not moving fast. It's loaded with gear. It's loaded with people. It's pallets of equipment. Yeah, so Uh, it's not moving fast. Um, But we moved it, and that actually opened up a relationship with them, and we continued to tour with them for about 15 years. And within that, we'd sometimes do U.S. Embassy uh, spots. So you know, we would uh, perform for the ambassador. Um, Do their private events, and that that actually led us into our next uh, series of tours with the U.S. State Department. And so every time um, we've done something, we look and opportunities have opened up for us in in regards to maybe create a new product or service, or maybe a new relationship, a new market for our product or services, right? And so we always look for those opportunities. And so um, you, you 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 say that you are looking. So is that? That you, are you always looking for an opportunity somebody to speak to? Yeah, always. You can never you dig from to. the same well. You yeah. you stay stagnant. Yeah. You, it, you, it doesn't work. You know, you find yourself that if you're drilling from the same well all the time, then you're asking those same people to work with you con- consistently. You you become a bother. I, I'll say the found your foundational clients, your customers are very important. So we love them, and we have we have very good foundation of clients and customers. Um, so that's important because you, you need that as a foundation, but you can't keep going back to them. You always, our jobs as business owners and marketers is to continually grow. You've got to continually grow. How fast we grow and how much we grow is up to us, but you've got to be continually looking for that new uh, well to draw, to draw from as Don And as you know, um, 
when you meet individuals too, if they switch companies or go to a new post or something, it, uh, they take us with them. So we, for instance, we met a gentleman uh, when we were doing the uh, the tours for the government uh, for the military. Actually, we had met this gentleman David, who took us from. We met him in Saudi Arabia, who then took us to Brussels uh, to play for the United Nations, then on to uh, Honduras and Puerto Rico, uh, and then on to South Korea. So that was just one individual, and then we had another individual we met in Azerbaijan who, when he went to a new post, took us to Budapest. And, and that's, uh, that's where we started speaking. He saw that Dina, since she had a degree, was a professor and, um, you know, she could add value more than just being a performer. We started doing uh, entrepreneurial uh, uh, workshops, workshops and music masterclasses. So it, opened our package up that we could actually give more than just a concert at a venue. Now we were also adding the entrepreneur side of it and teaching about that. The workshops, you know, to support the capitalism entrepreneurship. So mm -hmm. that was great. We brought, and it was that experience when we came home, we said, okay, now here's another product and service that we can offer, right? I teach all day long. I have no problems teaching about business and workshops to help small business owners or managers or marketers and, of course, I'm always going to school too, so that never stops because we've always, with you know, with technology, we've always got to be updating our own skill set. So um, as I learn, I'm also sharing all that information with my students and um, with Dawn as well, so that we can continue to grow and support our business. It's really a blast. I I've never had so much fun in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, wow! You know, not only do we get to learn. Not only do we get to look at new opportunities, but we get to apply everything that we're learning. How exciting yeah. is that? And what's even more important is seeing the key turned on into the other mind to the eye of another person. How you're able to inspire them, that is very empowering. Well, that's why we teach, right? Mm. It, 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 making a difference one person at a time, I'll take that. Every, I would way rather work at the grassroots level than work, you know, at the very, very, very top and have to oversee. And, and I, I enjoy strategy, but being able to work at that grassroots level where you really make a difference, where things really get done is really empowering. It's kind of like a kid in a candy store. What, what would you say has been the most satisfying event that you've done, whether you're teaching or playing or whatever? I don't, I love it all. I love the chase. I'm sure you can tell. I think Don does too. And we love the close. So it's so exciting when we're, we're going after an opportunity and then it happens and we close it. We're already on and looking for that next opportunity. Um, it's almost like a drug. It's almost like having dopamine in your system. Yeah. The endorphins yeah. kick in and you're just like, okay, what's next? Let's, let's do this. But, we just went up that mountain. Let's go up another mountain. But it's a very positive, you know, it's a very positive. So, so, so you love the selling and you love the delivery as well. Double bubble. Yeah, <laughs> and then, awesome. we're, and then on top of that, we're performing. So it's like a trifold, you know, then you're watching the client in action, have a great time. And the experience that you're providing for them when you're Congo lining them out the door, I mean, that's unbelievable. So Angie, we've been at this a long time. And so we're pretty good about getting crowds up and, and running and excited. Um, you know, we've been performing 30 years, so we know what we're doing, but every now and then you get a different kind of a crowd. And so when we were in Kiribati, uh, we went, we were asked to perform at a, a school for teachers and so we went and um we did and, and this is in the book finding joy and there were 
what we found a very difficult crowd. I mean, we did, John did this whole, you know, trick with the playing the guitar behind his back and, you know, really exciting stuff that usually gets the crowd going. And it was like, da-da, nothing, crickets. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> right? So we did, you know, we did another shtick and they pulled another thing out of our, out of our sleeves, right? And we did it again, da-da, nothing. <laughs> um, this is a packed room of nothing, right? Just looking at us. Finally, what strike two, right? <laughs> Finally, I, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I've got to figure out how to get how to get my crowd involved. So I asked the students, they were all students, they were adults, but they were all students in college, university. I said, okay, I want you to choose a favorite teacher and I want you to send them up because we're gonna have a twist off. Oh my God, the room went crazy, it erupted. They had so much fun, um, you know, choosing their teachers who didn't want to come up and do the twist, right? Because we're gonna have a twist contest. We assigned teams to each of the band members. We then did the twist off. Oh, my, the laughter. It's one of my favorite videos. It's actually on our on our website. They're laughing. We get them involved. They're now singing our song that we wrote for the tour, uh, Get Back get back to You. Yeah. And um, it just ended up being one of our best performances ever because, you know, we kept trying. We kept trying. And finally, the third time, we got them. We brought them along on the ride for us to create that joy. It was just. And it created one of the most memorable moments. Yeah that we've ever had and what's great it's also in our our music video get back to you and it, it was a challenge to get there it was a challenge for us as a, for us as performers and then as the audience to get us together so that we could get there together so we could take that that ride we could take that journey together but once we did it was amazing and we are still very much in touch with um with our with our friends when we consider them family with our family yeah. and Caribus and Fiji I mean uh, we are actually the first U.S. band to ever perform there in Caribus yeah. and in fact by the time we had them up and running there were and this is on our website as well there's like you know two to three to four feet deep of people outside this room right watching what's going on because there was so much laughter coming out of that building. But remember, it didn't start that way. Yeah, Strike one, nothing. Strike yeah. two, dead crickets. Yeah, impress us. What can you, What are you going to do next? Yeah, we're not impressed. You, know? you, you can play a guitar behind your head in the end. We don't care. And by the way, <laughs> the people on the island there are uh, beautiful voices. It's beautiful. like everybody's musical, mm -hmm. and they have these like heaven-sent voices. It's just unbelievable. I say voices from the island gods because they're really beautiful and, and so natural. I mean, just mm -hmm. that natural God-given talent. So that was really. But, but I, I think there's two things. One, one, obviously, that show in itself shows the great blend that you've got of not just the musical performance, but the teaching skills and and that side of stuff as well. So you can bring in a whole different set of tools that right. other people may not be able to do. Um, I mean, obviously, the performing sound, but there's extra bit. Uh, and and the other thing which um, comes out of that that sort of story is something I'm I'm very conscious of in, in other contexts where. Uh, going through what through very difficult stuff and through the other side creates some of these really really positive stories and um I've, I've told about it before as well so if anybody's heard this one before i apologize but you're hearing it again um, but, <laughs> we <laughs> well, haven't heard it you haven't heard, heard it so there you go it's right. you for we you that please tell um, us but now I remember when in my corporate days when I took over one of the teams and there's a bit of an icebreaking exercise. We just went around the room. There's a lot of been people who worked in that company for a long time. And I just said, what's been your best day at work? What's, you know, tell us about your most positive, just, just the conversation. And almost without fail, the best day came at the end of the worst day. 
that all had some trauma or drama and it was all going there was one guy that was out in the um in the virgin islands i think was working the hurricane was coming through that could have it was good could have destroyed everything but the way they all came together as a team and battened everything down and and got through it created that bond and all the rest of it so you know, th- th- those real positives always come after a negative. So when, you- when you're going through yeah. difficult times, which a lot of people are at the moment, when you're Better. facing the hardship, just remember, you're just a few steps away from your best day ever. So true. Oh, yeah, it's That's great that you so, say so that because I always tell, tell people that, you know, when you hear a no, it's, that means next opportunity. Yeah. To me, that's what that message sends is, okay, well, there's my next opportunity. And we get, you know, we're in sales. We're constantly selling ourselves. We're in the, we have been in the gig economy before there was a gig economy. I mean, that's how we've made our living. Mm. So we get a lot of no's. And on top of that, we're in the arts and not everybody likes what we do. We're in the arts. It's, arts are very subjective. Music is very subjective. Um, so you have to learn to to live with the no, but also as Don suggests, know that that yes is right around the corner. You just have to connect with the right target market. You mm-hmm. have to connect with the right people. Um, you have to adjust like we did um, based on what the needs of the audience are. And like you, know? you said, from the worst comes the best. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's that's a big thing. And one of the really great things about this is that we already, I mean, we've been, because we've been at this so long, we um, customize everything that we do. That's why we were able to, even though, it didn't go over the first time, our first try. It didn't go over the second time. We kept customizing until we figured out what it was that the customer wanted. And so that gives us a competitive advantage over our um, over other bands and other musicians who oftentimes will follow a very strict regimented set list, right? Because that's what they're comfortable with. We're not. We don't follow that. We do what is best for the audience at the moment of the audience. That takes great musicianship, right? Because I got to yell at my guys, go, okay, or sign language, one of the two right, to tell them what we're going into next. And they never know. Sometimes Don might just start a riff on the guitar and then they all know what it is that we're going to do. And yeah, we never have used a set list in 31 years. When we try, it doesn't work. <laughs> well, we tried it with you and you, you know, you, you didn't know what you're playing. So we gave it up a lot. Right. It was the president of Samsung. I remember was asking us, you know, so what are you guys going to play? And I said, I don't know. He goes, what do you mean you don't know what you're going to play? I said, well, we don't know if they're intently talking. Are they in coffee and dessert? Do they want to dance? Or do the 10 people that are sitting at the table look like they can no longer tolerate each other at the table? You know, those are all signs that we have to read. So we go out there and read that audience at that moment in real time. And we do all of our events like that in real time. So we don't know what the next song is. And when somebody's playing a solo, Dina's telling the rest of the band what the next song is or something else. And and that's how we're communicating all the time. Mm. Constantly. So it's live in real time. We're reading the event. There's no script for it. It's all, it's all done by the seat of So Grant. he's playing a lead on the guitar and I'm whispering in his ear. Can you imagine? He's got to hear that while he's playing a lead on the guitar, right? And execute it perfectly. And we're talking about what songs we're going to do. And then I got to head over and, and, you know, let everybody else know what we're going to do. Or I'll give them hand signals. Right. Especially if it's a song like My Girl. I'm the guy who's going to start off that lick. Everybody, that's, that's, you know, no woman is ever going to let their man sit down on that song. <laughs> that is rule number one. You better be up and dancing. Even if you have your half hour shoes on, you're dancing. <laughs> And, and lucky is one. It's one where it starts off with this, the, the the guitar notes, and you can pick up on it quite quickly. So you know, exactly. exactly. We've got uh, a lot of those things nice sleep. and signal, isn't it? But uh, but yeah, and again, it just shows you know um, good communication, 
responding to the audience, being able to, to uh, flex and change what you need to suit customer demands, not product demands, all great, you know, business skills and- uh, Exactly. And, and, and just, I mean, get, just to pull back, Dean obviously say you, 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 you train up in sort of marketing and you, you, you teach and lecture in that sort of area sort of thing. Don, were you heavily into sort of the business side of things when you two met already, or have you learned a lot of stuff from Dean? No, I had always been a leader of the bands that I was in, and always was the person that did worked with the booking agent, also owned the PA, set up the production. So I had I had a long history of production work behind the scenes, as well as managing and uh, putting together bands and understanding what it is to make the machine work and work well. And then when Dean and I got together, it was like magic because we're both leaders in that field area. We're both driven to the point where we want to be perfectionists, but at the same time, always motivating our product line so it gets better and better all the time. Mm. We It's important to us. So um, yeah, I was always a part of the business. When we got together, in fact, we still meet every single morning about our business. Uh, when we're having coffee, what is today's, you know, agenda? What can we do? Is there somebody else that we can reach out to? Have we done all our multimedia uh, passages? Because we do everything in-house together, our websites, Generally. everything. I mean, so we own and operate everything that our business does from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook to our websites to everything that's out there. And, and we have complementary skills, even though we both were leaders and strong leaders and, and strong, have strong personalities, we're very different people. And so where I'm um, maybe weak, Don is really strong, where Don is weak, I'm strong. And so we have complementary skills. Mm, that was exactly what I, I wanted to know. So in which areas are your strengths? I, I think for me, and remember, I didn't go back to school until my son, until we had to get off the road, my son needed to enter school. So I went back to school as a re-entry adult. So my education came much later in our career and we actually got taken uh, for some money. And I told Don, that's never gonna happen to us again. And so I went back and got my MBA as a result of that. Um, and I started teaching to pay back my student loans and I ended up really loving it. And I was offered a job in order to move up in academia at the collegiate level, you have to get your doctorate. So I went on to get my doctorate, but for me, it's strategy. I love creating strategy. And I think strategically, I drive Don nuts because sometimes I'm asking him a thousand questions and he's like, Dina, don't ask me any more questions. I need, right. to, I'm done I need, with a thousand questions. I need to rest today, but <laughs> I'm curious about everything and I want to learn everything and I can't learn enough. And as soon as I learn, I want to apply it. My opinion for Don is he is super, super creative and innovative. He like thinks up here, which I love because it allows us to think out of the box, but it also drives me crazy because he's up here and I'm like, yeah, we got it. We got it. Systemize it. We got it. Create a strategy. Pull we my feet back to yeah. the ground. Big picture, little picture. reality. Big picture, little picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thinking because that thinking is what right gets us out beyond the the box that sometimes strategic thinking can put you in. Yeah, yeah. And it's allowed us to extend, yeah. extend our product line, and uh, we've become a very valuable commodity for the industry that we're in because we can change any genre at any time. So if it's a country event and they're from Chicago, but they want to hear R&B after dinner, we just break into an R&B. Yeah, the, the the Western thing lasts for about an hour and they're pretty much done with it. They yeah. don't hear anymore. Country band can't do that. Mm. I, that, that won't happen. Yeah. You know, uh, so being able to switch gears and save the event and improvise, 
You know, that, that helps a great deal that we can improvise on the go and make the client have a great time, you know? And we, we write music too, and we wrote an album for the book um, called Field of Blue, but we use our music as kind of just like our book. We use it as a calling card because the money really is for us is in our live performances and also in keynote speaking. So again, the live music is, it's there, we use it, we've done videos and it opens the door. We use it sometimes with nonprofits so that they can raise money from it. Um, but again, it's, it's a type of a calling card for us. Right, like uh, if you see our vi our videos that are on our YouTube channel, uh, our music videos. you know, uh, we just recently released uh, three new videos, actually. Uh, the first of it was uh, Give My Broken Heart a Break. We wrote uh, the song with Rockin' Reggie Vision, who wrote Billion Dollar Babies with Alice Cooper. Uh, and uh, we produced uh, the video of that. And then after that, we had I Can't Wait, which we wrote for our Budapest tour. Actually, uh, Rocker, yeah. Um, so each one of our tours, we've been able to write a song and then we actually teach, it. teach that to artists, music artists there, and they become a part of it. And then we make a music video out of that, that creates a collective together with that unity happening. So, and so when you say you're working with artists there, so you, are you, you're meeting local musicians. Absolutely. Are, they, yep. are they coming up on stage with you as well? Or is yeah. It yeah, we put them in the video and they're in shows with us. That's the whole part of it is not just being uh, a band, but also including them in it. Check back, uh, check out, get back to you. We'll send you a link when we're done, but that's that has the audience in Fiji that we were talking about and you can see the joy. Um, that we were able to build as a result of that. What's not in the what's not in the video, of course, is what we shared with you and your listeners. You know, strike one, strike two. Finally, it's not so exciting it, television, is it? But <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, um, so how, how do you how do you find the local talent, the local musicians? Do you just shout out about it? Do you ask around and get I'm, word of mouth? What's, yeah, we've been around a long time. Don, you know, for our business has changed through the years. So for many years, we actually were a broker. So when we couldn't do an event, we would hire out other bands to take our place. Um, so we brokered a lot of other bands. Um, yeah, and so, for quite a long yeah, time. Yeah, we just know the musicians here locally mm. really well. So you're already um, we need, Yeah, and there's also, um, ASU has a, a school of music here that produces a lot of great musicians too. Um, so if we need to pull from there, we can do that. Uh, we we just kind of have a central core of musicians that we use um, as much and as often as we can. Um, well, there must so, be, but, must been, um, you know, you've been to so many different places. There must be a stage when you went to a new country and you didn't know anybody there. We did, it, but we got, no, but we work with the State Department. And so the State Department does that work for us. They'll connect us with the local stars there um, or the large performers. Yeah. And so they, they make that connection where we... And they, an arrangement. Yeah, where we can actually play with them. And like when we were in Azerbaijan, we had uh, a famous Moongan jazz mm -hmm. artist actually sit in and play with us at the ambassador's house in front of 240 different musical artists from their country. Yeah along with their media. So we're made aware and they're made aware. So we create a relationship. And, uh, and then what we do is always intercombine them with us on stage. So you're creating a long-term relationship. You're creating a conversation maybe that didn't happen between two countries before, all because of music, it, it's the universal language. Well, I was gonna ask how easy it is for you to connect with somebody that you've only just met that might play completely different music in a completely different way. But I guess that underlying language cuts through eventually. It really does. You know, we had, um, 
Um, Angie, we had somebody recently ask us about politics here in the U.S., obviously, because of, you know, all the interesting politics that are going on. And they wanted to know about the band and, and where we were and how we felt. And, you know, honestly, we have musicians that are way to the right of center and way to the left. I mean, seriously. But it doesn't matter because when we all come together to play music, all of it drops away. It's unity. It's, there's this unity. You know, are you good at what you do? Are we? Are, you can't have that when you play music. It all has to fit like this if you're going to be good at it. And so all of that drops away and nobody cares anymore. It just cares. And we found that to be true no matter what country yeah. you've been in. Mm. All of a sudden there's that neutralization where everybody is one together and that feeling is unstoppable. I mean, it's, it's, it's just magic. You can feel the magic in the air. And to me, that's the most important quality that we get. And they also keep in touch with us because they felt that magic too. Mm. Pretty awesome. And again, it just, um, you know, swinging that business context, you know, that connecting, networking, keeping, following up, staying in relationships, relationships, uh, having shared values, shared visions, you know, we obviously we're talking con music contextually here, but it applies in so many other ways. When you, you know, when you, in any sort of business, if you get that connection where you're on the same wavelength, you can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the key word probably, Andrew, is being authentic, and it's yeah. an authentic way to create those relationships because nowadays people know when you're not authentic. They they don't like it, and they will not buy into your product or service. So it's an authentic way um, having music and playing music together and sharing music whether you're in the audience or with other musicians from the country is an authentic way to create those relationships. I think that goes back to the, what you were saying right at the beginning in terms of uh, the longevity of, within music is you get some people that rise and fall and, and yes. you, I think you called them team pop or something like that. But, but, but you can tell those sort of people that are just being manufactured and put out there because they look <laughs> right, whatever you say, and it's not authentic. But the true musicians, they might've started young, they might've started in that genre of, pop whatever it is but they've stayed through because they've got a the talent but b the authenticity as well right we always say when we're uh, 80 we're going to be doing uh, there's a small town next to us called buckeye we always say we're going to be in our walkers doing the buckeye tour <laughs> no walking with our yeah, the senior buckeye tour here we come and we'll still be playing music we will find <laughs> somewhere somehow to be playing music i just saw uh, a, a lady dancing 104 years old the other day, so, so that wonderful. was so inspirational it's yeah. like that's going to be us you know and let's go on another tour. <laughs> you can have the uh, you can have the t-shirts printed with just Buckeye written all down there. That's right. I survived <laughs> the Buckeye tour. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's um, I just love the the uh, the the, so the business messages that come through from the the musical side of things, and and and, and I mean, do you, it's my sense, and it's not my area of expertise, but it. In general, in the music genre, uh, are most musicians kind of relying on their managers, relying on other people to do the business sense? Uh, and and uh, yeah. then you're quite unique or unusual anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, we hear that a lot, actually. Um, because yes. neither one of us are side musicians. Yeah, we're we're leaders of a band. So uh, being a side musician, you have to hustle. You know, that's a lot of hustling, uh, you know, but uh, being a leader of a group and seeing the vision and making that vision happen uh, and keeping consistent. I also think, Andrew, that most musicians are not trained to be business people. And because it is a gig economy in which we work, you have to have business. You can't otherwise, 
you're going to do music as a hobby. You're going to be a weekend, what we call a weekend warrior. You're not going to make a living from that. Uh, it's, it's a point. It, 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 you, you, ha you have to treat it as a business. It's the question yes. is the new musician themselves. So thinking of the, the e-myth, they're, the, uh, they're the, the, the worker, aren't they, sort of thing, the technician. Um, or are they going to be the entrepreneur that does the actual sort of strategic stuff and the, the make things happen yeah. or whatever it and might be? Probably, can... No, that's true. There, uh, there's arguments, though, with artists because artists are like, um, I am not going to make money from my art. I'm doing this for the pure sake of art. And that's, look, that's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. But then it's a hobby. It's, mm -hmm. it's not something that you can, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. You know, get a day job and then do your art all day long. Um, the really great um, artists are ones that are able to take their art and then be able to take it and, and create business and money from it so mm -hmm. that they can do their art all day long like we do. Yeah. And it, it, there's not one way to do this. This is the other thing. Everybody thinks that you're a musician, that you have to be a star to make a living. You don't. You just need to have solid, and this goes for any entrepreneur, any small business owner. You just have to have solid business skills under your belt and understand how business runs and adjust accordingly so that you can then make your living uh, doing what you love and meeting the need because you've got to meet the need of whatever your target market is and there has to be enough demand. I mean, we can play country music all day long, but if there's not a demand for it, people don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, we got to adjust. We got to figure out how to adjust to be able to do what we love, but also meet the needs of the consumer. So. And having a big palette, musical palettes helped us a great deal. Well, it has definitely expanded our business for sure. We've had a lot more opportunities take on a lot more different types of gigs, right? Because when you can go from playing dinner jazz to the dance music at the end of the night. So you're playing from 1930s, you know, to dinner, what we call nice and forks music, to Bruno Mars at the end of the night, to having the, the CEO sing Sweet Child of Mine with the band. Or, or doing out of all original music. I mean, you know. That, that, that's another image uh, that, 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 that I wanted to ask about, because... Right at the beginning, when you first started out, you said, we're going to have a language pronunciation difference here, so I'll, I'll translate for you. Um, but you, you, you said that um, you started off very niched. You said niched, niche, niche, same thing. Um, but um, so you started off with a very, you, know, you talk about target market and that sort of thing. And this is, who, this is who you serve and this is what we provide. But at the same time, you've got this broad spectrum you're talking about. We can do this, we can do this, and can end up being anyone to everyone sort of thing. So how do you um, balance the target marketedness of niching <laughs> and the broad right. spectrum of being able to do everything? So I think that's where your talent comes in. Um, in your organization, you have to tap the talent within your organization. And so uh, my talent at that time was within the country music, country rock field. And so that's twofold one there was a lot of work for it so we could make a living doing it and secondly that's where my own musical talent lied and I was familiar with it I knew how to do it but then when Don came in he brought a whole nother set of talent skill set right he had been in um, show bands he'd been in glam bands he'd been in rock bands so he brought that talent that you, you combine the two right and now you can offer more skill sets and once we did that we were able to start opening up. I remember a client came and said, yeah, we want country music, but we only want it for an hour. Can you guys expand? And Don stepped in and said, yes. And he looked at me just like, Dina, you got to learn these songs. Nobody else can sing this stuff. So I started expanding my repertoire and learning how to do it, right? Because I could do it. So he pushed me, which was good because it, it pushed my uh, comfort zone. But he knew that I had, I, he knew that I was able to do it with my voice and with my voice training. So 
Um, again, look at the talent within your organization, figure out what they bring to the plate and maximize that talent. There's oftentimes as musicians, Andrew, we have to step aside, not leave. Um, we always tell the story of the New Year's Eve event where we were hired for a high-end client that wanted us to do a disco thing, which was fine. So it's music all night. We could do that. But when we got there, the clients were in their 80s and 90s, right? The event was all was all disco thing, but these people <laughs> did not want to hear disco music. They wanted to hear Bobby Darren. They wanted to hear Frank Sinatra. So we do our whole big disco set and nothing. I mean, I, I can actually feel the hate coming from them, from the audience, yeah. right? You can see we need more drinks. <laughs> <laughs> and so on break, uh, we relied on our piano player who was a graduate of Berkeley Music. And we said, we all came together and he said, okay, look, this isn't going to work. And I'm not, you know, we don't want to do this for the next three hours. Torture for us, torture for them. So we figured out between us, him leading, because we knew we had the background for it. And he said, okay, I think we can do um, take the A train, but let's stay away from Satin Doll, right? So we brought all our talents together and figured out what music we could do to appease this crowd. We came back out. He started, um, I think, New York, New York. The floor was packed like that. And they were can canning. That was successful because Don and I, they were. 80, 90 year olds. Don and I were successful. Yeah, really. Don and I were successful because we stepped back as leaders of the band and we pushed out the person that we knew had the expertise in this area. And we let him lead. We took advantage of his talent. And I think sometimes um, small business owners, because it's your thing, it's your baby, forget to do that. They forget that sometimes you got to step back and you have to be the follower. Let your talent soar. If they soar, you soar. The leader's job is to create more leaders. Absolutely. That's right. I, I really believe absolutely in that. Is. I absolutely believe in that. Mm. And down the road, get them to move on if they need to, you know, and support them in that journey too. Mm. Absolutely. Because again, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to collaborate in the future. So if, if somebody oh, leaves yeah. you, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's another opportunity for the future. Knows next one is next opportunity. Absolutely. Um, well, that's how we see it too. Absolutely. So, so if I've got it right, so thinking about the marketing side of things, actually you can use niching, niching, uh, target marketing, laser light to get in. But once you get in, you use your talents and your resources to effectively stay there and expand your abilities to serve the people you're in with. Yeah, we're always coming up with new product lines, which is exactly going from the country to the more variety and the other things that he's talking about. So you can extend your product lines, your services. You can also go after other um, audience bases, so other target markets. So it's just a matter of developing the right product line, product mix. And then based on the product line, product mix, um, you can sell that to the same audience, which is fine. But it also allows you to sell it to a new set of audience. Mm -hmm. um, so you, we're constantly adding what I call bells and whistles, right? Differentiating our products based on what the demand is out there. And right now it's a virtual. Um, so that you see a lot of performances that are virtual. So if we can take advantage of that and make money, we will do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure what's going to happen. We're, we're starting to look at maybe booking tours for late 2021, 2022, just saw today that the vaccine, um, two, two companies now that, are, that have uh, developed the vaccine. So we'll see where that goes. I don't think it's going to go out into the general population. We're all saying in the industry, probably not until next fall, the end of next year, where it would be safe again to start opening up, you know, concert halls and doing big events. So um, we're, we're prepping for that. We usually book out a year in advance anyway. So, you know, that is was good news. So we still have a little ways to go. But in the meantime, we're, we're promoting our book. 
for promoting our music. We're doing um, podcasts with wonderful hosts like yourself, at least getting the word out there, um, getting our <laughs> services out there, you know, taking advantage of our downtime to build our brand and yes, also to build our services. Right. And that helped us actually uh, put out our book a little bit earlier than we were going to, mm-hmm. um, you know, so having the book 31 cents to 43 countries, hardcore tips, to increasing profits, um, has done very well in the field. In fact, we just received an outstanding award. Oh, uh, book. A book award, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's really neat to see a nice little seal on your book, you know, that you can promote that we won the uh, outstanding business, um, business strategic and economics. Yeah, business sales. And you're you the I mean, right? They're thinking that the order audio version combines the music and the book at the same time. It does. It does. A little bit of the music. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah enough to teach you. To, yeah, <laughs> just enough to tease you, exactly. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because we actually use the songs in, in and out where we actually wrote for different tours and things like that. So uh, who would have thought that the music would have been with the book? And uh, here we are speaking about it and you know promoting it out. It's a lot of fun for us. Yeah. And the bigger part is how people are receiving it. Uh, the reviews that we've been getting, that uh, the takeaways, we actually have takeaways at the end of each chapter. So you understand why we're telling you the story and what you can utilize as a takeaway for your business or, or that aha moment. Mm. You know, so that's, that's a creative part that we, we've been able to entwine into our book. I think learning happens when you learning happens very effectively when you storytell, but then sometimes you get so caught up in the story that you forget. <laughs> and so at the end, we just wanted to make sure that uh, people actually took something tangible away uh, from the stories. And um, yeah, and some of them are, are uh, larger strategic approaches, but you know, that's where the workshops come in, the keynote speaking. So we needed to go into more detail about things we're able to provide that based on whatever the client wants from us yeah exactly like you said uh, a while ago you know no one person does everything the same way all you can do right. is pick up clues and hints and see what's worked for some people what's not worked for other and then apply it to your own situation test things out try it and see what works for you yeah see what works right. for you yeah and there's if there's specific formulas i mean there's a lot of i work with a lot of small business owners regularly and you know believe it or not a lot of them don't even know what a break-even analysis is so i mean those are some things that we can i can teach i can show them how to do it i can show them how to create a pricing strategy that's you know based on a formula and how to go about that so they have some sort of a starting point um yeah a lot of small business owners really don't know how even know how to do it they don't know what a profit and loss sheet is they actually just jump in and kind of like do the dog paddle we were that we were that was us right when we started so certainly we've learned, um, and I'm a big believer, as you know, a huge believer in continued learning or what I call lifelong learning. And whether that's formalization in school um, or it's just, you know, going on YouTube and finding information out, technology, I'm always going on YouTube to find out new technology, right? Because things change so much in social media platforms. Um, I learn stuff from, from other people all the time. So I love learning. Plus you just finished uh, an MIT um certificate course for analytics yeah so that was great so i was able to take that information and apply what we're learning um but again that's not for everybody and so if that's not for you if you're not a more if you're not a formal learner certainly there's other ways to learn right going to workshops going on to youtube i wish i had youtube when i was uh, starting my business wow what a difference that would have made and and just talking to people you know? uh, absolutely. Right. you got to get your asking here yeah. if you don't ask you don't know 
talk to talk to successful people find out how they did it yeah. you know get a mentor a lot of a lot of successful people that are you know ending their careers or in the end you know moving towards retirement are more than happy to mentor other people more mm. than happy to do it. they have all this knowledge they want to share mm. oh we're having a conversation with someone one someone on my other podcast about um reverse mentoring as well so with all the technology and stuff that's coming through the Older generations and your older business don't have a clue how to operate <laughs> TikTok or Facebook, wherever it might be. But the oh, kids God. coming through can teach you everything. So reverse mentoring works just as well as uh Yeah. Andrew, actually, that's a really excellent point to talk about that. I t- have a chapter in our book about millennials. And so I was division chair with the business IT uh, department at my college. And, it was, uh, and so we have from the IT side, we have, you know, what I would consider very young professors to professors, our, some of our economic professors that are very later in their career. Talk about, right, that millennial communication divide, but that's exactly what happens is we mentor each other. So while they come in and teach us about technology and how to use technology, we teach them about being patient. We teach them about the importance of being courteous and relationship building and critical thinking. And so it's this, yeah, it's this, it's this symbiotic relationship that it really works well. So you're absolutely right about that. It is reverse mentoring. They mentor us, we mentor them. And it really does help break down that, that age generation gap that often occurs in organizations. Which again, in, and, and all that's coming from my head is image of a band all working together with different strengths, different skills, and yes. one person moving forward at a different time, exactly as you relayed throughout, which I think is just a, yeah. a great analogy of how, how business can come together. But in your case, is exactly how it comes together. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's creating that platform of respect, um, whether it's um, with the colleagues that you work with, with, um, different generations, whether it's musicians, whether it's myself and Don, remember we're husband and wife. So we're together 24 seven all the time. You know, are we working? Is it our personal relationship? Every, but it works well, no matter what we do, if we have that, if we create that platform of respect, mm. personal relationships, business relationships, you've got to have respect. Mm. Do you, do you, do you, do you keep your, as hard as it is, it's keep it separate in terms of business talk, personal talk, or does it all blend through and it's all just one anyway? So yeah. it's, for us, it blend. Does. it's our blend. Yeah, for We're like a secret does. sauce together. <laughs> you, you, you met at work, you live at work, <laughs> but it's all, but work is life and yeah, they're all connected. Aren't they? Yeah, our, our biggest argument is the next song. <laughs> while, while he's while he's playing lead guitar, I look at him going, no, no, that's not right. <laughs> no, no, we're going to do this song. <laughs> but it's to make the song better, which is all for the good. Well, it's to make the experience better for the client. And that's really the end of it. it. We learned a long time ago that it's not about us. It's about them. It is. And if you can remember that as a business owner, uh, you'll always win with your clients because it, it is really about them. And we even have a, like a little small infomercial at the in our infomercial. It says client experience matters. And to us, that's everything because that is our key, key wording is client experience matters in the end. And they're the ones that take you with you uh, when they go to another company or go someplace. And we're living proof of that. That's why we've been around 31 years. And I've seen a bit of a drop in customer service across many industries here in the U.S. I don't know what it's like in the U.K., um, but we really need to get up speed. We need to get back up to speed with that. Part of this technology and the lack of one-to-one you know, personal communication. Um, we're getting better um, with uh, some of our um, technology um, 
apparatuses to help us, but you've got to create that very personalized, very one-on-one relationship. If I have a problem as a customer, I don't want to wait three days for an answer back to solve the Mm -hmm. issue. I want the issue solved now. And so that is something I think uh, we're still working on um, in terms of business, not just us, but, you know, in general, as we try to move through technology and and start to personalize it more. Mm. Uh, Yeah, because Don's right. It only takes one time. If a client's not happy with you, especially in our industry, because it's so high pain, if a client is not one mistake, you're not coming back. They will not have you back because you are a representative of their firm, their broker firm, their corporation. They won't have you back. You can't afford to make mistakes, right? So you've got to get it right. That means putting them first and foremost all the time. If they're wrong, you can advise them. You can counsel them. John works with production all the time to say he works with them before the event, during the event, and we follow up after the event. Yeah, I just had a client the other day. We're doing this. uh, They have a huge hangar. And they want to do a Christmas party there. And they said to me, oh, well, your equipment will cover all these oil drums and everything. And I said, no, they won't. Technology has changed. Technology is the speakers are this big. And no. It's not the so it was like, so what are we going to do to cover that? I said, we need to put pipe and drape back there. That will make it framed in and it'll look nice. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's an expensive way to do that and make it look really nice and and, and trimmed. And so having those kind of knowledges and bringing them to the table or where they think the setup where a band is and, and their idea is the worst place to have the band uh, or there's no electrical power at that source area, you know, things like that, that we can turn it around and make it a better event for them uh, than what their idea is and make it safe for everybody there because right now safety is a big key yeah. mm-hmm. you know you have enough distance on stage you can't stick a band on a stamp anymore they all have to have six feet apart uh you're singing when you're singing you're dispersing you know air so up audience, to 27 feet away audience has to be far yeah. so you have to know all those things and it's a and different and advising and, and putting all those together to make sure everybody has a safe environment right now is key. And if you're on the same page pre-event, you're going to have less problems during the event. So that's something we're really, really careful about. And then we always follow up afterwards. Don always follows up, not only to thank them for having us, but, you know, mm. to find and out. What could we have done better? You know, what, what's uh, the feedback? What did you like? What You know, that's really important, too. Um, I think a lot of businesses forget to do. They might do the pre and the during, but they forget the follow-up, and that's such an easy thing to do. And then a simple thing, like handwriting a thank you card. A lot of people don't do that anymore. You know, we want to thank them for their business. You know, uh, it's still handwritten to us. We can't, we can't function without them. So they are very special. Yeah. We do not take our clients for granted. I said no sort of paraphrasing what um don said no 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 clients no business you know it's as simple as that isn't it uh, yeah if my phone's not that. ringing there's something wrong <laughs> it's that simple yeah. and so people know have to know that it is it is a numbers game and i know that so i make a lot of calls and uh you know make sure that uh i'm on to my next opportunity yeah we just had a client call us for a gig outside in the end of december at the uh, Nogales, the Mexican border um, on the U.S. side. And so we've been working with her. That was an unexpected call out of the blue. I mean, we haven't heard from her in a while. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's not a lot going on for live events right now. Yeah, yeah. So that's an old client that has always kept us working. And so we were we were so grateful for the call. We really appreciated it. And she's like, you guys are the first ones I thought of. We're like, yeah, we didn't expect that at all. You know, even though COVID's down, it's not still making 10 to 15 calls a day. 
Right. So, well, again, you know, you know, it's going to open up. It's just a question of when. There's right. no if or but about it. It's going to happen. It's just timing. It's right. Fine. Now things are very intimate and small, which is great. Um, and they're safe, which is even more important. Um, and so we know those 2021 events are coming and they're being planned and we're helping our clients make good decisions, smart decisions and safe decisions. And then also monitoring as we're coming along because they can be kicked down the road. Uh, and we all know that. So we're all really close, closely working together and communication is now more key than it ever has been, as you can imagine. Absolutely. And Joe's going to say, I think the key is that we have to adjust and refine our strategy as new information is coming in daily about this stuff, right? And so we have to adjust and refine our strategy based on that. That's really important. Have to be adaptable and moldable. Yeah, again, it goes back to what you said again with the Singapore story. You've got to be able to think quickly and react and shift and adjust. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, everything, exactly. everything that's happened over the last 12 months, whatever, however long it's been, Everyone's gone into panic and whatever. But at the end of the day, everyone's just had to adjust and adapt, which is no different to any other time in history. It's just been a little bit faster, that's all. Um, it is. And I think that's where Don Straits comes in because he is so creative because he does think like way up here in the clouds. So he thinks up here in the clouds, which is great. He throws all these ideas out. And then I'll be like, okay, look, this will work. This will work. Here's the strategy now that we can pull from the cloud and make it a reality. And then if, you know, for whatever reason, he'll come back and say, yeah, but think about going this direction, this direction, that direction. So between the two strategy and being innovative, I don't see how you can lose. Right. We've been taking the time right now to really work on our brand. You know, uh, the book is out. Our music is out right now. People are listening to more music than they have since the 50s, you know, and they're reading more. And with the audio book out, people are taking that time. If they're hiking. They're listening to an audiobook or on their bicycle or in transportation to their jobs. So uh, people are, are picking new ways to be entertained. And our book and our music has found that niche right now. And it's a positive type atmosphere uh, because people want that positive positivity, of course. And we're providing that, I think. And so and people are latching on to the fact that right now we need to hear some positivity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's it, even though on paper you're impacted by what's going on because you can't do the thing that you do, actually you can. It's just in a different way, in a different vehicle, in a right. media. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the people that, the leaders that are going to, I think these are defining moments in a leader's career, right? Yeah. So it's these type of moments that are either going to propel you to greatness or you're going to stay at a very mediocre mediocracy create that and we want to we want to rise and we want everybody around us to rise as well and so that means that we have to challenge ourselves and we have to challenge our teams to the limits will we make some mistakes probably will we fix them if we do absolutely learn from them and move on beautiful that's a uh, a great little way of wrapping it up i think i uh, before we <laughs> disappear i just need to ask you the key questions i'll uh, Ask you in turn. We'll start with you, Dina. What makes you a bit single? Um, I think, and we, we said this earlier, but for me, it's the chase. It's the chase and the clothes. So um, that's what makes me, it, it's the actually getting out there and, and hustling to uh, get what, something going. What is that's, it about that that gives you the, why does that give you such a, an excitement? I think, I think it challenges me and I, I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy, um, you know, 
not only being challenged professionally, but my mind being challenged. So I enjoy the challenge and it really does create dopamine. Like when, when we chase it and we work so hard to do something and then but it happens, right? I mean, what better? I, it doesn't get better than that, right? I think the Fiji story is a perfect example. We tried, we struck out, we tried, we struck out. Third time was a charm. We figured it out. I figured it out, right? Took a while, but I got there. I got the band there. We got the band there. It was like, but uh yeah. Wow. It's just like this warm, fuzzy, tingling feel that goes all over your body. So for me, it's a chase for the definitely the chase and uh, being able to close a chase and, and win as a result of the chase. It's like running a race. How great does it feel to come in first place? Right. Second's OK, but it's not as good as getting that medal, is it? <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, same question to you, Dom. Uh, for me, I, I love it when we're to the point where our clients can be on stage with us and perform. I, I mean, when you have somebody that's performing, all of a sudden they take off their tie and they put it around their head and all of a sudden their actual rose. <laughs> that is an incredible moment, uh, you know, and to watch their peers see them and go, I would have never guessed he would have done that, you know, and that memorable moment is forever. You know, you're creating a moment that's long lives and it goes beyond the event that when you see each other again, it's like, man, that time that we had the CEO up there, that was, who would have thought he would have been singing Sweet Child of Mine? You know, I, that to me is an unbelievable moments for me. I love those moments. And they're pictured in there forever you know, in your mind. Um, that to me is so exhilarating. And to see that they get to be the star. They're the stars of the show. To me, that's the most important part to see your clients shine. And in that moment, it's all about them. And again, it goes back to that for us. We've always made it about our clients. It's creating not about us. And creating that memory that's forever I mean, I know he's going to be singing that song in his head forever and be there in the office and just see that glorious moment, you know, when there's a whole crowd there and it's like, I was Axl Rose for 10 minutes. And know? I don't know who enjoys it more, the client or Don, because he really enjoys it. He loves, he loves it when a client, when he's creating a memory for a client, something that the client's going to remember for the rest of their lives. So, yeah. I don't know who loves it more, the client or Don, <laughs> but Don's on their team. He is rooting them on the whole way. Uh, there's, there's just a couple of things there that just sums up leadership, doesn't it? And when things get tough, the, the true leader takes control and steers the, the ship forward. But when everything's going well, you step back and let the others enjoy the. Oh, that's magic. Story. To me, that's an irreplaceable magic that's happening right at that moment. Uh, it's it's great. And and with today, everybody's filming, you know, with a phone. So, you know, two or 300 people got that and they're able to show it and share it in their company. And you're creating just a magical moment. It's forever in a time capsule, you know, and that to me is, is brilliant. It, it, it's just so enthusiastic for me to see that moment and have, and be a part of it. Which is why Don has so many friends. I mean, people, he has friends and keeps them forever, really. I mean, he gets calls two or three times a day from, from friends that, you know, he's known since childhood or, regarding special moments that he just chatted about and they're lifelong friends they would do anything for him and he would do anything uh for them as well so it's true yeah he's it's definitely a, a beautiful people person <laughs> uh, thank you i could uh, i could talk to you all day uh, obviously <laughs> uh, we enjoyed you, too, uh, thank you so much for well,
Uh, we'll, we'll tell you where you can find our book, uh, 31 Cents to 43 Countries. Uh, you can, uh, Hardcore Tips to Increasing Profits, you can find that on Amazon. Uh, and you can also find us at deospeaks.com. Uh, if you want to see us speak or have a speak for any occasion or a book. And then our band website is dinaprestonband.com. And that's D-I-N-A-P-R-E-S-T-O-N.com, dinaprestonband.com. And we hope you enjoyed the Audible. We, we uh, hired a really great, what we think is a really great voice actress. And uh, she does a really wonderful job. So hopefully she'll she'll you know get you into the story and uh, you put the headphones and we're looking forward to hearing your feedback. That's important to us. Yes, yes, that's a big biggie there. Absolutely, much bigger. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, listening to it. And I will uh, I will let you know how the how the experience goes. But um, it's been uh, absolute pleasure hearing your story. Uh, happy and hearing more about you. Um, I'm going to find out the, more detail about the separate stories from the from the book itself. And uh, and a new book coming out as well. So a new album, new album, new book coming out. And You're awesome, uh, I'll put, we'll put all the stuff onto the, the notes as well and make sure uh, that's available for everybody uh, so they can uh, track you down, uh, listen to your music, read your book, find out more about your fantastic story. Uh, Don yeah, Dina, same with us too. Thank you very yeah. much. Let's be lifelong friends. Absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you very much. We'll show you around if you're over over here. Yeah, all right, absolutely. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, my friend. Thank Good. you so much. Cheers to you. Be safe with your family. Very happy holidays to you and your listeners. Take Bye. care, Andrew. Bye. Thanks for having us. Cheers. These podcasts are not necessarily here to give you all the answers. I want you to think about what's been said, what's come up, and how you might apply that to your own situation. And if you've enjoyed it, then please subscribe to the podcast and, of course, share it on the social media platforms and so more people get a chance to hear what's going on. Thanks very much for listening. My name's Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment and I want you to enjoy your business so much it makes your bits tingle.